Get ready for trick-or-treating, boys and girls. Welcome to Episode 6, The Festival of Sam Haim, or as we like to call, Sir Tom Atkins. Night the man. Thanks, Carl Casey at White Bat Audio for your track, Eternal Night. Uh, Carrie, is it time to tell me the Predator surprise? No, not yet. Check out these free, comfy horror movie reviews just about anywhere. Come on. Not yet. (laughs) RSS helps us distribute to 99.9% of your favorite podcast platforms. Fully extended episodes including horror, etc., where we discuss things like horror literature, personal haunts, or extended movie discussion can be found through Anchor or Patreon. You can donate to us there for as little as a dollar. If you could leave us a review, that'd be really helpful. Thanks for joining us in our inaugural season. In the words of Joker, here we go. Sort of. No predator surprise, really? You're not going to tell me? No, Okay. Okay, so, all right, I'll, I'll move on. Uh... Why are you cozy today, Carrie? Well, I got to snuggle with our dog for a little while, and I'm wearing my robe. The dreaded purple robe, the scourge of our household. You bought it. (laughs) I feel like robes have a very short life, shelf life in my mind. Like it should just be like a rotation. Like you should be a superwoman with the different things in your closet. Nope. Some variety, and I would accept the robes. <coughs> Sorry for coughing, folks. I am just getting over the flu this first weekend in March. Ah, you know me. Right now, I'm sticking with my flannel till the day I die. It's dreary. It's cold. Go figure. February was warm as heck, and now we're starting March off. It's in March or April, and like a lion out like a lamb. I don't. Anyways, so I went with the black flannel. We're from the Pittsburgh area originally. So we're used to those cloudy days. So I've got like the black and gray flannel on. Not funeral-esque, sort of. But uh, I could finally taste the coffee this morning. Thank goodness. I was getting so... You you fellow whorehounds, you know what it's like when you've got nothing but Gatorade, water, tea, repeat. Um, having some coffee that I could taste, that was a nice comfy feeling. <clears throat> the dog snuggled me this morning. Pumpkin's my girl. Uh, I can't quite handle alcohol. Otherwise, I would have maybe had an Irish coffee for this Halloween 3 Dr. Chalice episode. Don't worry. I have some wine. You're going to drink for the both of us? Yes. This That's becoming a reoccurring tradition here. I, I am really turning into a lightweight and carries carrying the alcoholic torch. So segment one, comfy horror review. Let's dive in to this dark Celtic land of Halloween 3. I told you folks, I still got it. Directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who we love. Starring Tom Atkins, as I said, the doctor. Dr. Dan the Man. He's had so many nicknames. That cheeky Dan Chalice for the past, I don't know, 20-some-odd years? At least dating back to the IMDb days. Stacy Nelkin as Ellie Grimbridge. And Dan O'Hurley as the devious warlock. Why isn't the season of the warlock? Is that a thing? Like, do we have to define the different what what is a witch and what is a warlock? Well, if you've gone, I guess into you could do you could be lore. either, right? No, no. According to lore, and most lore and most things I've watched, uh, other shows have discussed basically a warlock is a male witch. But that and so that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is is Connell Cochran a male witch? Is he a warlock? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, so, and you know, we played Dungeons and Dragons. You figure, you think we would know this by now, but it's been a minute. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention some of the others. Nancy Keys as the over it, Linda Chalice, and you remember her as one of Lin, um, Linda, one of Lori's friends in the original Halloween, uh, Sheriff Brackett's daughter, <coughs> Ralph Strait, and Jadine Barber with Brad shatter as the Cupfer family dick warlock and you guys know who dick warlock is 
I love the original stuntman, but Dick Warlock, he's a close second to me. He was our H281 Michael Myers. Uh, and he is here, as you all know, one of Cochrane's machinations with orange blood. Well, they all have orange blood. Maybe the lead robotic guy should have had a different color blood. Like in the old 80s ninja movies, like the higher up the rank, the different the They're colors. Different, yeah. Could have had green views. blood. Anyways, Michael Curry is the brown-nosing citizen Rafferty. That guy. Uh, Jonathan Terry, who is H3's alcoholic bum doomsayer. People don't think. People think of Crazy Ralph. No. Uh, Rafferty. H3's got their own Crazy Ralph. Remember when he said, Carrie, he was like the townie. He was the one local that uh, Cochran didn't give a job to. Yes. He brought all those people into that town. Yes, he did. Which makes me wonder, how did they hmm. bring that hunk of Stonehenge all the ways over from the UK across the ocean? Was it from the UK? Oh, yeah. The whole thing was they and they even showed a news report where a slab of Stonehenge was, was missing. missing. Yeah. Um, Patty Edwards, what's going on with my CPU here? Uh, <laughs> speaking of CPUs, there's a heck of an alternate tagline for this movie. As the Silver Shamrock Secretary and Willie Chalice, by the way, Carrie, I just I just found this out, or I just, my, my brain light finally turned on. I thought, this guy, this Joshua John Miller, why does he look so familiar? Because... He's the old man slash little man vampire Homer in Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Yes, we love that movie. So let's go. Let's talk um, right away, Carrie, about the poster artwork and tagline. <coughs> so Halloween 3, the season of the witch. It's got that metallic silvery look to it. And the tagline, as we all know by now, the night no one comes home. We've progressed from the night he came home mm-hmm. to more of the night he came home and two to now we're not messing around. No one gets out of this alive probably or at least mostly. There's a large mass number of people that die in this movie that you you yeah. basically I mean it's a pretty dark movie when you think about it. And we'll get to that later. Poster and tagline. Okay. Here's the additional tagline I found. And I was laughing at this at first, but the more I thought about this movie, it made sense. Um, Witchcraft enters the computer age and a different terror begins. Hmm. Um, So the early 80s, Carrie, remember the AMC show Halt and Catch Fire? I do. They were putting the idea of the computer age front and center, even Prince of Darkness. Uh, all the students set up in the church with all their oh, different yeah. computers that they're probably humongous. like two tons of computers that today every all the equipment will like weigh 100 pounds max if they brought in everything. I'm exaggerating, but you, you get the gist. I love it when movies have like, we've got the latest technology and it's this just massive thing that took four people to carry in. Um, it's funny. Movies are funny when they date themselves and you could look, you know, like our last couple episodes about Scream, you could already see stuff from 10, 15, 20 years ago already dating itself. Yep. Are, are horror movies and any movie in any genre, are we going to be, as technology continues to accelerate, are movies going to be dating themselves more quickly than they ever have before? I think so, because the technology nowadays, I mean, you get a new phone and within a year, it's already outdated, if not six months later. Um, the thing, our very first episode, Carrie, the, we, we called it whiskey chess rage because he's playing that. What is it? The chess wizard game mm-hmm. is a chess wizard or chess master. It's chess wizard. I think, I think it's chess. Wizard. Um, again, carpenters crew and all the people love, they love focusing on the computers escape from New York. I love the, the glowing green dashboard of his glider as he's descending onto the world trades, the top of the world trade center. There's just that early 80s green computer screen glow that you don't see in movies anymore. Well, and if you think about it, back then, that equipment was relatively new. So. Yeah, I mean, you're at least talking, it was at least within, you know, five to seven years of the movie being made. <coughs> um, so they do focus at the beginning of Halloween 3, the computer screen. Dun, dun, 
dun, dun, dun, dun, dun, dun, as the as the uh, pixels on the pumpkin are starting to to pop up. Um, they've got the computer HQ at the end with the hunk of Stonehenge, and and of course we've got the robot bodyguard slash killers silencers all around. So yeah, that's actually witchcraft enters the computer age and at different terror begins. It's a really appropriate tagline, actually. It is. Um, and by now, we all know the debate about whether or not this should have been called Halloween 3 or if it should have just been Season of the Witch. Carrie, any other thoughts on the poster or tagline or the alternate tagline? I love how it actually, the face delves into the Halloween 3 with the backdrop and you see three children which are like the mass walking at night it's a very ominous poster every time i see this poster i think of poltergeist whenever there aren't they isn't that the movie where they're trick-or-treating and we see et there's like that little crossover moment or was it et where there was a yoda there's a there's a thing there where they had a a a trick-or-treat crossover yeah i'm fairly certain it's et with a yoda trick-or-treater i think you might be right Um, but it also reminds me of um actually in the one ghostbusters movie where the guy from the library becomes possessed and it's the face in the painting comes out kind of reminds me of that oh you mean the face on the poster yeah that's it. I, now I want to go back and watch Ghostbusters now. Um, okay. <coughs> so I believe that's a sequel. The, it's in... Oh, it's, you're talking about mm-hmm. Vigo. Vigo. Vigo of Carpathia. Vigo comes out and possesses. Come on, me lord. <laughs> um, so we're going to dive right in. The favorite character that isn't the lead. And I'm going to lead us off here. My throat's feeling a little bit better than I thought it would. So let's go. I am going with one that maybe too many people would not go with. And you're going to say who? And I'm going to say Wendy Westberg, Teddy, who is one of Chalice's friends or girlfriends. I typed it down as girlfriends or would-be girlfriends. She's the corner that helps Chalice to try to understand what happened to the robots that killed Ellie Grimbridge's father. Okay. Um, remember she calls chalice when he goes on his road trip with her and she said, Hey, we didn't find anything but car parts. And you see the little springs and clock like inner workings that make up the, the Samhain servants. And you know, the American boy in me keeps wanting to keep saying Sam Hain. And I know we're still saying it Sam Hain, but we know from Connell Cochran and even from our own ancestry, Carrie, it's, it's Samhain. Um, yeah. And I'm sure I'm still butchering it, okay? But all of you horror hounds, we're all familiar with Samhain. We know what that's all about. So she wasn't on for long, Teddy. But she was a key piece in helping the audience understand that what Dr. Dan is dealing with is far weirder than we, the audience, could imagine. I didn't pick up that she was a girlfriend. I picked up that she was a good co-worker, cohort type of person I came that he with, trusted her I came with thinking why did he marry Linda and not marry this woman or maybe maybe she's married maybe Dr. Dan shouldn't have been married at all is what I'm gathering from this yeah. movie <laughs> he moves pretty fast <coughs> well huh, are you team Linda Chalice or are you team Dan Chalice I just want the kids to win in all of this <laughs> listen I don't know the situation but what I do know is they from are, what you they see. Are, they are separated. They yeah. are separated. You don't know if they're divorced yet or what's going on, but there's definitely that atmosphere. Folks, we're six episodes in, and what I've learned in the past five episodes is that I'm going to be quiet on the subject before I grab that shuggle. Shuggle. The shuggle. <laughs> what's a shuggle? Please tell me. A shuggle is something <laughs> that you buy as a Christmas present that you see on the infomercials. <laughs> it's a huggy. It's a some child's toy that's furry with big eyes mixed together. It's a shuggle. Okay, we need to copyright the shuggle. Okay. Okay. So I meant to say get myself the shovel from saying something completely wrong. And 
you know, mansplain something once again. So moving on to favorite death and effects before I get that shovel and the shovel. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Oh, oops. Yeah. So you know what? Back There's the up. shovel. There's the shovel anyways. Here I am in the hole, folks. Just keep putting that foot in your mouth. <laughs> with the shovel. <laughs> yeah. I'll put that juggle. <laughs> so my... <laughs> My favorite character, and technically you can argue she's not the lead, but Stacey Nelkin. She is the leading lady, but really this is a Tom Atkins movie. She's feisty. She doesn't give up easily. And she fights to the end. And if you haven't watched, if you have glazed over because you know this doesn't have Michael Myers in it, I would say you should watch it. If you're just a kill hound and you want to see some neat kills, I, I would watch it. And some of the deaths don't happen how you think they're going to, especially with Stacey Nelkin's character. Yeah. <coughs> um, okay, now I'm going to move on. move on. To favorite death and effects. Um, I feel like in general, um, any selection that isn't a human being is cheating, but I'm going to cheat anyways. It feels like any of the robot guards or Cochran himself can come back with dark pagan, dark pagan magic um, that will resurrect the shuggle. <laughs> um, dark pagan magic or handiwork, even if it takes hundreds or thousands of years. I'm going with Cochran's quote-unquote death <coughs> and boy is this up for debate uh, yeah i was just gonna say chalice did he die yeah chalice and ellie throw the silver shamrock buttons activate the commercial and the ancient ruin and the tv zaps cochran in my head i had i don't for some reason carrie and it probably because there was a big gap since the last time i'd watched this I usually do watch it once or twice a year but mm -hmm. i i didn't watch it this past halloween actually um which is weird for me I had that he crumbled or shattered after turning into that whitish stone-like figure, but nope, I was my head was wrong. He fades. He kind of he kind of fades like Obi Wan Kenobi, um, which which I guess you could say that means that he is definitely dead. Connell Cochran, the Sith Lord. <laughs> Go ahead. It, it brings me to say, truly. Did he die or did he just go back into the stone and become another power? So it's interesting because to note, he gives that clap to Chalice, which looks like a sarcastic clap to me um, for a job well done. But he's also got that sinister smile mm -hmm. too. So like this is not over. Dead? Maybe. I mean, yeah, he can just bide his time for another millennia. Um, is the plan going to take place no matter what? Seemingly, Cochran may have just won. Yeah. Carrie, how about your favorite death and effect? Well, I enjoyed the kid's death in the test room. That was a pretty yeah. wicked way to go right in front of his parents. I mean, the snakes and the other creepy crawlies just coming out of that mask. Very ancient, pagan, dark magic-like. And it just, it, it gives you the, the chills every time I see it. I'm like, oof. And just thinking about that that's how other kids that night could have gone. It's like, um, what's a Jeremy Renner's name, character name in Avengers? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. I'm not feeling good. You, yeah. I know. I know. You, you know, know what? I'm a, I'm a Marvel freak. And I, I'm just not feeling 100% our, our son loves Hawkeye. So, yeah, it would be like... It would be like a Hawkeye moment in Halloween 3. He's over there, you know, getting the Halloween treats ready. And the TV comes on. And he turns over and his daughter has snakes and creepy crawlies coming out of her instead. It is one of those moments where it's like, now with Hawkeye, they just vanish. But uh, you know what I'm saying. The um, When we rewatched Halloween 3 this week, I actually got a little upset like because the snakes that come out of the kid end up biting the parents but the mom faints too first 
She faints, but you know she's going to die because she's going to get bit. They're all dead. And, uh, but the father, I mean, you could see the anguish. That actor, the anguish in his face, and then he's like getting the fuck out of here. He runs to the door. It's like, forget checking on the kid. I know he's dead after seeing half the zoo come out of his face. Well, and he was such a positive guy when you think about it, annoyingly positive. You know, the so for him to react like that just was pretty telling how much he actually loved his kid. He should be happy because him and his wife are swingers. That's <laughs> that's what I took from that. Do you see the way that the Betty Comfort looked at Chalice, or does does Chalice just is it the mustache? I, you know, I think Chalice just gives off some kind of vibe, the swinger vibes. Movie. Like yeah. I'm down for whatever. The couple across the bar bought you the drink. I love those memes. The couple, and they show the couple from uh, Hellraiser. Um, yeah, that. Sorry, I had to throw that okay, in. Okay, that's cause enough. Because the ch- the chalice, the chalice swingers club. <laughs> this is taking a turn. So, um, let's go on, Carrie. <clears throat> before I go any further into chalice escapades, um, I know. You want me to start singing Janet Jackson? Mm-hmm. Chalice escapades, baby. Um, so let me say that H3, again, it's it's meme-worthy. It ranks up there. I love the ending, especially the gifs of Halloween 3. Just Chalice, stop it, stop it, stop it, with the echo. Um, my quote, I'm going to go with more of a dialogue exchange. <coughs> Pardon me. And this is the microcosm of the entire movie that bumps it up a notch for me. Okay. Connell Cochran says, enjoy the horathon doctor. And don't forget to watch the big giveaway afterwards. Chalice responds. Why Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? Mr. Cupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. And then his voice goes a little bit lower, and he says, But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go begging for candy. It was the start of, this is like the Indiana Jones legend has mm-hmm. it moment. <clears throat> it was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. I love when he says that. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal, and the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween, the festival of Samhain, the last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Chalice, shaken to his core, sacrifices. It was a part of our world, Cochran says, our craft. Chalice knows at this point what is exactly going on. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment, and it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor, and I'm glad you'll be here to watch it. Oh, and happy Halloween. I just love that. It, the sinister tone of him, the deviousness. The knowledge he just drops. This dude is like, a 3,000 or at least a 1,000 year old witch and this guy travels across time to murder your children. I mean, he says the world's going to change tonight. Yeah. Those are some big megalomaniac plans from Connell Cochran. Carrie, my voice needs a break. I'm handing it to you for your favorite quote or parts so of the So my favorite is actually the commercial and it's always been the commercial. I mean, that just sticks in your head for days you know it's almost time kids the clock is ticking be in front of your tv sets for the horathon followed by the big giveaway don't miss it 
don't forget to wear your mask. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. It's time. It's time. Time for the big giveaway. Halloween has come. All you lucky kids with silver shamrock masks, gather around your TV set, put on your mask, and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns gather round and watch. Watch the magic pumpkin. Watch. It's subliminal messaging at its best. So, I wish we, this is where I wish we could play some of the copyrighted stuff because I would have loved to have set the tone for you and have that. Yeah, I definitely do. I love on Chalice's face. He's in the hotel room with Ellie. And every time, like they're walking on the sidewalks, it comes on. He's in the bar, it comes on. He's in the hotel, it's on the radio. And he's just like, he's had it with this commercial. Everybody's had it. It's not something that if, if our kids got into it, I'd be like, oh my gosh, turn this off already. I'm sick of hearing that. It's so annoying. But kids are so impressionable. So, you know, that's what it's geared towards and it's geared towards the kids. And the kids, you, you figure, you know, they're sponges. That's why Cochrane or an offspring of Cochrane needs to come back 40, 45, 50 years later and finish the job. Um, I don't think he's gone, <coughs> though. He could have been beamed a, up. He's in another dimension. So that brings us to our next, our next section that we want to talk about. What if Cochrane was successful and to what degree? What happens with Chalice next? And where does the audience go from a sinister ending? ending excuse me first let me add that as a lot of you probably know there was that ending we hear the screams of children when the credits roll while i think he was successful i think he was moderately successful what does moderately successful mean these are the the conversations that horror hounds have with their children my daughter was doing the math about how many millions of children would die she was literally asking alexa you know, there. You know how many kids were in the United States at the time? How many? You know, and Alexa fails half the time. But anyways, we're still talking millions of death, even if he's moderately successful. Um, if I had my way, I'd get a movie sans the Halloween title, just called Terror of the Witch or Cochran's Revenge, something hokey to stay in the '80s spirit. Um, I recall the whole thing with Michael Myers and Thorne. Remember from like Halloween five and six, I think there's a world where silver shamrock had some influence on Michael in that mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually read in the newer David Gordon green trilogy. They, um, they meant to show the silver shamrock factory and Michael's, you know, Shatner mask coming off the assembly line. Interesting. And, uh, <clears throat> I know David Gordon green and, and Darcy, Diana Prince connected and uh, they share that love of Halloween three. And uh, we were just listening on the, what bloody disgusting podcast. The, yeah. She the saw this movie first before she saw yeah. Halloween movies. Um, and on that podcast, she was saying that uh, whenever they had David Gordon green uh, on, in the last drive in um, afterwards, he had said to her, Hey, you know, he was making Halloween ends, which is his Halloween three. And he does make odes throughout the trilogy to Halloween three. Hey, Darcy, we've got to have you in the Halloween ends. And I, I liked her part. Um, that was pretty cool. Oh, and the TJ getting his cunt, his tongue cut out. Oh my Lord. That was great. I, you know, we liked Halloween ends. I think more than a lot of people did, but yeah. I think it's split. I think in time Halloween's ends is going to have gonna, the same effect yeah. as this Halloween. It's going to creep up on you and be like, Oh yeah. Um, so I'm going to play the what if game. Let's say a sequel to Halloween three comes out a few years later, 1986. We find chalice. He's rescued lending the kids. She already grounded them. They didn't watch the commercial. Thank God. But California and other parts of America are a hellscape. Cochran's death unleashed the stone beam onto the masks themselves. So people watching wearing the masks houses were set ablaze. Uh, where they go after that, you can write all the fan fiction you want, but I, 
I honestly love it if somehow he would find his way to Haddonfield or somewhere in between and he and Dr. Loomis link up. Can you imagine Chalice and Loomis together? Oh my goodness. They would both feed off of each other. And in the third witch chapter of the witch trilogy, in my mind, they make their way to the UK. Or on a smaller budget, they stick around to something that's Boston or looks like Boston. These robots are taken to the streets in small town America in part two. And in part three, let's say Salem, they find some talisman or good witch, good witchcraft to defeat Cochran once and for all. Um, Carrie, what are your thoughts if Cochran was successful? Uh, I think I think he was a little bit more moderate, more than moderately successful because you see that child at the end when the one station would go dead, he would switch to the other station and the other station went dead. He still switched and saw the third commercial. So if oh, you had so, those kids. So those other kids were doing it, even if he canceled out the first couple channels. They that just keep third switching. commercial, if they were keep switching and switching okay. and switching, because the subliminal messaging tells them to watch, so they have to find that. Give me a percentage. Uh, I think it's more like maybe eighty percent. Ooh. Okay, so because you're that really third going commercial, for the bleak ending. That third commercial did not <clears throat> get taken down. Um, any other thoughts around your your successful Cochrane sequel? So in my sequel, I would put it as a little bit later than 1986. I would put it as more like 1989. And it's been a few years. And I think, I don't think one of Chalice's kids make it. I think one does, one doesn't for whatever reason. And I think Linda doesn't survive. So I think it's just him and the one kid and i actually think it's the daughter that survives him and the daughter chalice halloween the last of us yeah. <laughs> that's what you're saying no no not that it's more like you do have a timely thought though i have to say that that i was thinking more like the road of the room yeah more like the road type of movie Ooh, i really like that one yeah where they have to go and search for food and they have to go and they're just wandering from place to place and just a little walking dead, a little road. And I think, I think it by that point, if Cochran was successful, you probably have people that were sympathizers. Like, can you imagine like some alternate reality? There's like druid sympathizers, mm-hmm. like converts in this world mm-hmm. and they're coming across sacrifices all over the place. Ooh, this is really good actually. Or those people, if they had children and they suffered, they might come back and actually you might see a more like united amongst most survivors unless you were had issues to begin with and then you went full on bad so <laughs> like the road <laughs> so um before we go into ra- reactions or ratings come here boy yep go ahead and give me hey let's jake is back the midnight traveler let's see what he has to say about his experience with halloween 3 case and carry i do love a good joke and this is the best ever a joke on the children. Hello, my hungry hounds of horror. I, the Midnight Traveler, am writing to you from way out in the wilds of this wondrous world to weigh in on what is still very much a hot topic amongst all the horror houses. Halloween 3, <laughs> the Mason-Dixon line of scary cinema. Is it a classic? Is it a mess? Is it a joke? Michael Myers isn't even in it? Is it even a Halloween movie? Debates have raged on this very subject for decades, and I, for one, never shied away from expressing my views on this over the years. But I must say that my general opinion has very much shifted, and if you just sit back and listen, I can tell you why, and hopefully it won't take the intervention of dead-eyed robots in cheap suits to do so. Let's first go back to the late 90s, middle school time for me, and the beginning of my journey into horror. 
with the help of several local video stores, I was trying to get those numbers up from rookie levels and become the horror aficionado I wanted to be. A great place for that was my grandmother's house, where I would spend an occasional weekend away from my siblings and take in a couple of films from the video store. One weekend, it was Halloween 3's turn on the rotation. Coming off Halloween 2, still my favorite in the series, by the way, it sure had a lot to live up to. It was a bright, sunny Saturday afternoon on Post Road when I slid the tape into the VCR and readied myself for the action. Now, once again, this was pre-internet for me, so other than what I read on the back of the VHS tape, I had no spoilers or anything major to give me any opinions or insight to the work. Still, I knew it was going to be a Myers-free Halloween film, and I knew that I would have to at least make an attempt to have an open mind here. Right from the beginning, I was stunned at the sheer cold brutality of it. The relentless and emotionless actions of the killer robots as they laid to waste anyone and anything in their way and the stunning reveal that this was a druid plot to kill millions of children left me speechless. And at the center is the pride of Pittsburgh, Tom Atkins, kicking ass and getting some in every direction. Still, while all this unfolded before me, the omission was nagging at me the entire time it played. A Halloween film without Michael Myers simply isn't a Halloween film, right? I guess my teenage brain wasn't able to wrap my head around that. Time, much like the crashing waves on the shore, can wear away at the land and forever change their surroundings. And this was also true in this case. The catalyst? Black Sabbath. Stay with me here on this, guys. There are a lot of parallels between these horror films and this iconic band, and it took just under a decade and my first plane trip out of state alone for me to see this. Now, Black Sabbath was originally fronted by the indomitable Ozzy Osbourne from its inception up until about the summer of 1979. It was the band's most notable and memorable era, and it is also what people most associate when they hear about the band, Ozzy. You could say that Ozzy was the face of Black Sabbath, much like Michael Myers was the face of the Halloween films, right? I think so. But when he was fired from the band at the end of that decade, the band Black Sabbath soldiered on with replacement Ronnie James Dio, formerly of the band Rainbow, as Ozzy eventually went on to solo success. Now, for some, an Ozzy-less Sabbath simply wasn't Sabbath. And at the time, I fell into that camp. Still, in the summer of 98, I picked up the Heaven and Hell album, which was Dio's debut as Ozzy's replacement. I remember wanting to hate it simply because Ozzy wasn't there, but ultimately I couldn't stop listening to it. It also gradually wore me down, and I now love it more than some of the Ozzy albums. Now, cut to that aforementioned trip. It's now Labor Day weekend, 2007, and I'm up in Boston helping a former friend move. Once all the stuff was packed away, we hit Cambridge, and I headed straight to Best Buy to pick up a new release that I was eager to get. The Dio-fronted version of Black Sabbath had reunited under the name Heaven and Hell, just like the album, and put out a live show from Radio City Music Hall, and it only consisted of songs from the Dio-fronted era of Sabbath. No Aussie tunes whatsoever. It was then that it hit me. The parallels to this band and the Halloween films collided, and my view was forever changed. Halloween 3, much like the Dio-fronted Sabbath, 
had to live up to a very high standard due to its predecessors that it sadly could never really live up to. It was brought out as a Halloween film. The Shadows cast were simply too great and too many people just dismissed them unfairly as a result. Hell, it's now well known that Carpenter didn't want Myers to keep going and that he wanted Halloween to have a different villain with each release. Sorry, the people latched on to Myers much like they did to Ozzy, whose solo career eventually eclipsed Sabbath as the 80s wore on. Still, the Dio era albums are classics, and the stunning work of Halloween 3 is way ahead of its time in terms of kills and just general ruthlessness. If you look at this film on its own, it's a legit classic as far as I'm concerned. And I know there are many others out there who won't be swayed. I'm looking at you, Joe Bob. But this Nocturnal Wanderer was one that thankfully saw the light. So take it from me, if you will. Let yourself enjoy this film on its own merit. It's worth it. And you will thank yourself in the end. As for me... I gotta go put my mask on to settle a bet with this Irish guy over here who thinks he's some druid sorcerer or some nonsense. <laughs> he actually smells like Jameson's and burnt hair, if you ask me, but ten bucks is ten bucks. See you next midnight, Jake. Okay, you know, Jake, I can relate. Uh, and Carrie, I, I didn't even tell you this. Our Eagle video excuse me back in the day they didn't even carry halloween 3 for a little while really i specifically remember i'm talking probably like a couple years later like um uh, they always had h1 h2 and then i remember when i was in preschool the h4 coming to vhs and then h5 the following year in 89 90 um but it took a little while they finally, I'm like, what is this silvery looking font thing with the witch? This isn't about. So I, it actually took me, I would say until probably like the early nineties to watch Halloween three. But, um, yeah, I, and, and I felt the same way. I'm like, eh, this doesn't have Michael Myers in it. It's just, this thing's goofy. I'm not a big fan. And I didn't come back to it for a while. I, I really feel like this movie plays more to adults than it does to young horror fans. If you think about it, who's going to be most affected by this? Children are not going to think past it. It's the adults that are going to really be emotionally attached to this. Yeah, I don't know. And not unless, you know, I'd love to hear from a young fan who loves this and versus one who does not. And, and we all know the reason why some people to this day are like, Nah, I just don't. It's not Michael Myers, yeah. and, and that's some people, completely valid. Some people say, you know, yeah, no. Even if it wasn't a Halloween movie, it was just called Season of the Witch. I still, it's just not a good. It's not. It's not for everyone. No, I I could see what Carpenter was trying to do though with creating an anthology yeah. uh, of sort where you just told Halloween stories. I, I and I like that aspect. I I see where he was going with it. Yep. But so um, the other thing I wanted to do, Carrie, is that we're starting to get some tweets and Instagrams hmm. that I wanted to go over. So uh, at the beginning of the week, we weren't feeling good. The male wolf uh, put up a meme. It was the Palpatine meme. I'm too weak, but he's not too weak to find the free to be horror flicks. And we had um, we had sinister, the sinister scoop. Uh had said he said the meme is so accurate um when he's not feeling good he says mine are either dead stream or Shaun of the dead i like Shaun of the dead yeah yeah we i think you like dead stream too if the, the kids definitely enjoyed it more. oh i loved it the kaylin and i i think loved it cagney couldn't sleep well after he watched it yeah well he can't sleep well after at night so um we we were we did respond to him. Um, we we did end up watching Evil Dead too, and then oh, I forgot to tell you, I started watching Army of Darkness with Cagney. We can set it, start it from the beginning again. Don't whine. <laughs> I love that one. 
So um, I'm a huge Ash fan. I am too. I we, love him more. <coughs> yes, you do. Um, so on Insta, we were talking about how this Sunday we're going to get our kids to do our first, uh, well, not our first, their first episode with us was just going to be a bonus episode. Um, we, we really couldn't hold them off. They've been saying since day one that they want to be on the show. We're like, nah, just a little bit here and there. Um, so they're actually, they're going to finish watching demon night with us. And then on Sunday, we're going to have them talk about it for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and then we had on Insta that the space outsider seven, five, seven said he saw this in the movie theater when he was a kid and he almost watched it the other night. Um, then, uh, the mail wolf had let them know my story. And I don't even think I ever shared this with you, Carrie, but I told the mail wolf this, um, I saw it for the first time on a car trip. I'd let outsider seven, five, seven know this, uh, on a VHS player. And my, my friend, uh, David, um, got my best friend for a long time. Uh, we were on a road trip, um, and his dad, mom and dad's conversion van. And they had really, you know, the orangey wood grain. It was mm-hmm. a white van with burgundy stripes. Wow. And it had the orangey wood inside of it. It was honestly, I would love to be inside of this thing right now. The nostalgia would be amazing. Um, and then this one, 1999, I did not see this when it first came out. And my dad and I watched Tales from the Crypt on HBO fairly religiously yeah. for years. Um, I'm surprised it took you that long. I mean, you actually showed it to me, I think, when we were married. Oh, yeah. This is not, Demon Knight is not one that I like watch on repeat. I love it. But it's usually like, it might be two or three years before I watch it again. I got no other reason other than I'm watching it. A lot of other things. So, anyways, for getting... me, I was down for it as soon as you mentioned Billy Zane. <laughs> we love Billy Zane, um, except in Titanic. But that's a whole other story. Don't interrupt with more Titanic <laughs> thoughts, Gary. You're getting things off track <gasps> now. So he, haha! Now it's you doing it. <laughs> he watched it. He meeting me. I watched it back to back with Carpenter's Vampires. That was a great '90s double feature. <clears throat> um, Outsider 757 responded, I loved Carpenter's Vampires. Whenever I watch that, I want to watch from dusk till dawn. Mm-hmm. Could call Outsider 757. Call. I still got my VHS collection. Sorry, Outsider, I'm butchering your post. Not to mention maybe, um, not too many, he says, maybe 100 or a little less. Uh, he misses the VHS blockbuster video, movie store day. Kids today will never know. I agree with you. You know, what was it the Jeopardy contestant girl that was just on the news saying yes, how she collected I just the read DVDs? That. It could be coming around again. You know, outsider, you never know. That Gen Z, they might keep surprising us. Might bringing it back. They're, they they, they, they love have to the bring 90s. back the vinyl. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Scream High Superfly joined us actually a little bit before that and said, Hell yeah. And uh He's been following us since uh, we started talking where we're going to do those Scream episodes. But anyways, guys, moving right along. And thank you, everybody, who who interacts with us online, sends us emails and letters. We love to see interaction. Absolutely. Um, We just want to connect with everybody. We love you. Reaction and rating. Again, just a reminder, we go with a flamethrower system to honor our very first episode about the thing. Five flamethrowers means perfect don't know if we're ever going to get to perfect. Four is a must-see. Three, flawed but fun. Two, we see why people enjoy it. Has a following but not high on our rewatch list. One, it just not our cup of tea. Um, certain horror hounds may rate a one higher. <clears throat> Zero is a rare error, as I say. It's so bad but not in a so bad it's good sort of way. Uh, Carrie... Wasn't there the Mardi Gras massacre that you were pretty down on that you were like, I could see it in your eyes. You were contemplating giving this thing. I, we we I, didn't review. We're, we're not doing we're not going to review it. on Mardi Gras massacre. No, there's no need to <clears throat> personally. It, uh, I watched it just because we had the experience of going to New Orleans. Okay. And, and I, I was like, well, but then did, maybe this is interesting. Can you give it a one? 
Yeah, I give it, it, it was a one. A, a one out of five used yeah. rental tapes. Oh. We were thinking, we watched it because we're like, let's do a bonus episode on this. I fell asleep and Carrie, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie slugged her way through that. That thing's a sluggo. Um, so if you're going to try to watch it, don't. Yeah. Please it, just find something else. Yep. So I am giving Halloween three a four out of five flamethrowers. If you would have asked me 30 years ago, I would have given it a three. I was not thrilled watching this. I feel that if you hate Halloween ends, if you're constantly looking for a slasher in Halloween, <coughs> you're not going to like this. Um, it's been said for the past 40 years. This is the debate. As a standalone movie, H3 gets better with age. It's found its following, and we all know it's gained popularity over these past 40 years. I believe somewhere in the multiverse is at least one other Halloween anthology film that came after H3's smash success. But alas, audience weren't ready for it, and there are still some people that don't like it and don't enjoy the anthology idea, which we respect. I've actually rewatched this more than Halloween 4 over the past two decades, though, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually enjoyed Halloween Ends over Halloween Kills. Yeah. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, subjective. Everything's subjective. Uh, maybe that's not the correct comparison. But anyways, this movie has just the right mix of machismo, one-liners, quirky characters, and Connell Cochran and the idea of mass murdering children. A joke on the children. It's just the right amount of evil that balances out the goofiness. The soundtrack is absolutely perfect. You have the main title, which they use the title card at the start of Halloween Ends, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main title music in Chariots of Pumpkin the soundtrack with Carpenter per usual is perfect. Yeah. I, I gave this a 3.5 out of five flamethrowers. <coughs> it's solid. It's enjoyable. It, I mean, we've rewatched it many, many times. You know, I, I like how they use the advertising to cause the mass destruction and hysteria. Um, advertising will be the death of you. I mean, come on now. I mean, you have, you know, it It takes place in this old factory town. You know, it's an investigative mystery, if you will, kind of like Scooby-Doo. It really is like a Scooby-Doo episode. I like that. Like a dark Scooby-Doo. Okay, folks. Well, listen, that's it for segment one, comfy horror movie reviews. Um, if you want to stick around for segment two, you can find us on Anchor or Patreon. We are working on Apple. It's given us some fits, but that's okay. Um, as Carrie said earlier, really RSS is our main hub for all these free comfy horror reviews. And yeah, just about anywhere we'll distribute them. Um, we also, you can find us on dyingforbidnight.com. Finally got the website up and running. It's intermission time, folks. Love ya. Hopefully we talk to you later. Bye. Now the resurgent interest in this bizarre, weird world of ancient witchcraft and ceremonial magic is brought to you in all its stark terror and nightmarish horror. Blood orgy of the she-devils.